I want to have you turn to Revelation, the first chapter tonight. And the subject is, Christ has the keys. Revelation 1.18. John, the beloved, was on the Isle of Patmos in exile. In verse 10, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now, he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He was walking in the Holy Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, that's a good practice for all of us. There are a lot of people that are in the Spirit on the Lord's day, but not this particular Spirit. They're in the Spirit to go off here or go off there or sleep in or stay late or do something else. But he gives us a good premise for the Lord's day. He says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And again, I want you to notice that because we were talking not too long ago concerning the difference between the Sabbath and the Lord's day. Last night we talked about it with the men again. I want to keep emphasizing the fact that we do not keep the Sabbath in the New Testament. Jesus Christ is our Sabbath. He is our rest. Since the New Testament, the book of Acts, after the coming of the Holy Spirit, the disciples and the believers always met on the first day of the week. And it was on the first day of the week that it said, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. If you want to keep the first day of the week or the right day that the Lord has for us, the best way you can do it is not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. It goes on to explaining and describing the one that he saw that was in the midst of the candlesticks and said that talking about the angels of the church, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, feet like undefined brass. His voice sounded as of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of death and hell. Now, I just want to take that one thought tonight. I have the keys of death and hell. The world is filled today with philosophers, even as it has been all the way back through history. One man said that a philosopher is a blind man in a dark room looking for a black cat which wasn't there. And that's pretty bad. <laughs> and the futility of philosophies based on anything else but the Word of God is self-evident through history. None of them can succeed without the Word of God because there's no firm standard, there's no firm basis. They vacillate, they fluctuate with whatever is right in society. And this old life is so full of blind alleys and so full of puzzles and so full of locked doors and seeming things that just seem the opposites to try to bring a philosophy out without the Word of God as its basis is totally futile. And so... Knowing this, we have to find one person who has the key to all of life's puzzles. We have to know the one that can set us free from prison, who can conquer all of our foes and our enemies. And as far as I know, in all the years I've lived, I've only found one of them, and that's the person who has all the keys. And I just want you to think with me for a few moments tonight concerning the keys that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has. First of all, he just said there in 118, he said that he has the keys of hell and of death. I read one time of a father who was standing at a graveside and of course I was reminded of it today as I was there at the graveside and this father who had heart trouble and the mother sitting there their only child after 15 years of being married this was the only child that was born to them and now they're up in age and their only child in that casket. But this particular father at this grave walked up to the casket with a key and he turned the key in the casket to lock it and handed the key to the mortician 
went back and got in the car and was riding along with the pastor. And the pastor read Revelation 1.18 to him, said, I have the keys of death. He said, you think the mortician has the keys, but not really. He said, when he said that to the daddy, the daddy's eyes lighted up and he suddenly realized the glorious message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his second coming. That key wasn't going to hold it when Jesus came because he had the key to the grave and death. I was told that the stepson or the son of Buffalo Bill, when he buried Buffalo Bill, he had him entombed in a huge block of concrete reinforced by steel and said, I don't want his body disturbed for a million years. Well, it doesn't make any difference because he doesn't realize that there's one who has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And when that time comes, nothing is going to hold that grave together because Jesus has that key. When they even buried George Washington, our first president, someone said they locked the vault and threw the key into the Potomac so no one could ever find it and open it. But again, you see, with all their vain efforts, they forget that Jesus said, I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. John 5, 28 and 29 tells us that one day those keys are going to be used. John 5, 28 and 29, Jesus said, Marvel not at this. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall what? Hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Two things, they're going to hear his voice. Every man, woman, and child that's ever lived on the face of the earth, in that day it's going to come, they'll hear his voice, and they shall come forth out of the concrete and the steel and out of the, the vaults and out of everything, out of the sea. Scripture says in Revelation that the sea will give up the dead. Hades and Sheol will give up the dead that are in them. None will remain. They'll all be raised from the dead because he has the keys. And by the way, Christ has the only key. He not only has the key to death and hell, he has the only key to that, and he has the only key that will open the prison doors for them that are bound by sin. Isaiah, the 42nd chapter, verses 6 through 8. It describes something here that no prophet, no priest, no king had ever been able to do, nor since then has ever been able to do. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness. This is prophetic concerning Jesus Christ. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Then over in Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, again it was prophesied concerning Jesus Christ setting the prisoner free. The Spirit of God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Now, these two portions of Scripture were prophetic. Now, if you'll turn over to the fulfillment of it, it's in Luke, the fourth chapter. You remember Jesus went into the temple, and there was the time for the reading of the Scripture, and he got up and went forward and read the Scripture. 
We'll start with verse 16, speaking of Jesus. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Now, might I tell you that it was Jesus' custom every Saturday to go into the temple. And again, I say, the thing that we need to emphasize to people, some people don't see the necessity of regular worship. It was his custom. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Jesus Christ has the key to open the prison house of sin. The third key that Jesus has is the key to the doors of circumstances and opportunities. I think it's so necessary for more Christians to hear this point. Jesus Christ alone has the key to all circumstances and to every gate of opportunity. Revelation 3.8. He's writing to the church of Sardis and then to the church of Philadelphia. Verse 7, he starts with the church of Philadelphia. He says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee, what? And no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my words, and hast not denied my name. Then in 2 Corinthians, the second chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Paul speaking. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord. The Lord opened the door. Now, there are so many people who have allowed their jobs to become their source, allowed their bosses to become the source, the company for which they work to be their source, the talent that they have in their hand to be their source, their retirement fund to be their source their insurance policy to be their source. Well, if I can just do this or if I can just do that, if I can just be very good and work extra long hours and please the boss and get in these extra points, you know, and just impress the boss that's above him, I might be able to get a little increase and forget it. If you want to learn the secret of having success in life, remember one thing, only Jesus Christ has the keys to the door of opportunity. If you, as a Christian, will try to please only God, He will make all the circumstances to change in favor of you. What does He say? If a man's ways please the Lord, He'll make even His enemies to be at peace with Him. God says, if any man will serve me, him will I honor. If any man will serve me, him will I honor. I'd rather have the honor of God than all the honor of the bosses and the companies and the promotions that the world has to offer. And what I'm trying to say to you is don't allow these things that make an impression on you in your daily lives to become your source. Make God your source. Begin to function in God's economy. He says you want promotion. How do you get promotion? How do you go up? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He'll lift you up. Lord, I recognize meekness 
does not mean weakness. Meekness means being able to be steadfast even when you don't need to be. You could come back against someone by just committing it to the Lord and walking quietly before the Lord. Lord, you know all the circumstances of this job. You know exactly what you want me to do in this job and how far you want me to go in this job. And I'm just going to do all my work as unto you. I don't care if there's a boss around. I'm going to do it as unto you. And I'm going to trust you for the promotion. Jesus Christ has the keys to our opportunities and circumstances. And if we'll seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things will be added unto us. But once we begin to flow in God's economy and say, God, I don't care what my job offers. I don't care what my circumstances are. You're my God. You're my source. And I'm going to flow in your economy. And I know that it can't fail. Now, you see what I mean? He has the key. Don't look for the key anywhere else. The key isn't that foreman over you. The key isn't that promotion. It isn't that insurance policy. It isn't that savings account. God is your source. And when you get into his economy and begin to flow with it, there's not a door that can stay shut if he wants it open. There's not a door that will open if he wants it shut. And so if they stay shut and you bang your nose on it, back off and say, bless God, I almost made a mistake and went through that door. Thank you, Lord, for closing that door. Now, Lord, there must be a better one somewhere, and I'm just going to stand here and praise you until you open it. He has the key to our circumstances. He has the key to our opportunities. And if you're really seeking God's will and are willing to be obedient to His Word, now let me just emphasize this. If you go around and acknowledge sin in your life and want to confess it and repent of it and get your heart right, forget it. If I regard iniquity in my heart, God won't hear my prayer. He has got to be Lord, He's got to be first, and then when we're trusting Him completely and walking in obedience to His Word, He says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you got it. Delight yourself in the Lord also, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. They're yours. When you delight yourself in Him, you won't ask anything but what He wants. And if you, all you want is Him to open the doors that He wants to open to make you a blessing so that you can bless other people, glory to God, He has the key, and all He has to do is turn it. And he has the key to unlock the scriptures. Some people say, Brother Webb, I just don't understand the scriptures. Well, the better you get acquainted with the Lord, the more the scriptures will open up to you. The more you know him, the more he speaks to you by his spirit. Let me just show you a couple of verses here, and you can write them down if you want to. Luke 24, 45. Now, Jesus was speaking to his disciples here after the resurrection. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures. Now, it didn't say anything about him. Then gave he the set of books. Then gave he them the set of commentaries. It said, He opened their understanding of the Scriptures. Now, I'm not against books, and I'm not against commentaries. Many times, godly men who have walked with the Lord for years, God reveals secrets to them and truths to them that you and I may study all our lives and never see. Tying the Scriptures together from years and years of just saturating themselves with the Word of God. But I think that we need first to go all get in the Word and say, Lord, let that Word speak to me. What does it say to me? And if we'll allow Him to, He'll take the key and open the door. Make us to understand the Scriptures completely. Luke 24, 27, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. When Jesus was talking to the disciples, he just told them more about himself. And that's why I say the more we learn about the Lord Jesus Christ from the Word, by the Holy Spirit, the more the Word will open up to us. 
And then, of course, he's got all the keys to every other blessing and every other secret. He says, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, all our needs shall be supplied. And then he has the key to heaven, to the gates of heaven. And he says to those who were following after him and loved him, he says that we should not be concerned. He says, I'm going away, I'm going to heaven, and I'm preparing a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, if he builds it, he usually has the key. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. He on his girdle has hanging all these keys. And he says, Him that cometh unto me, I'll in no wise cast out. Come boldly before the throne of grace and make your petitions known. For he is our attorney. He's our representative. He's our intercessor at the right hand of the Father. Whatever we need, he says, you ask the Father, he'll give it to you if you ask him in my name. Can you think of the resources that are at our disposal because we know the Lord of Lords and King of Kings who is worthy? Praise the Lord. What do you need tonight? Go to the keeper of the keys and ask him for it, believing it, and begin to see God meet those needs. I hope that God had this message just for someone in particular here tonight that needed that. It was a blessing to my heart. It's something that I needed. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for those keys. I thank you there's not a need in our life, but what you know it all together. And you said that they're already provided for us. They're already stored up in heaven where thieves can't break through and steal and rust can't corrode. Moths can't get in and eat. And as we deposit our riches in heaven, we can draw upon that account by faith. Because you own the cattle on a thousand hills, you own the earth and the fullness thereof and all that dwell therein. And we dwell here, Lord. You own us and you own everybody else. All riches are yours. And we're yours. In Jesus' name, cause us to begin to walk in that truth and experience that truth as a great reality. In Christ's name and for His sake.